Would you like to see the roots of your Christian faith? Follow Jesus' footsteps and marvel at the places where biblical prophecy is unfolding? Well, you can this summer. Join me, Bill Bunkley, and Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold on our pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan. You'll learn Israel's history from our guide, Boaz Shalgi, prophecy from Pastor Yankee, and biblical teaching from me. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live And turn my darkness But what I wanted you to see when they put Peter in prison and they were going to have him killed because they saw that it pleased the people when they killed James. So now Herod's going to kill Peter. So the church is praying for Peter and God delivered him. But now notice in verse 18, he says, when thou shalt be old, he's telling Peter in advance, they're going to crucify you. And it's going to happen when you're old. At this point, see, this is only a few years after the resurrection of Christ. So Peter was not yet old. So Peter should have known, hey, God's already made a promise. It's just kind of like when David had uh, Samuel anoint David in the Old Testament. Well, when Samuel anointed him to be the king of Israel, then David should have known, I'm going to be the king of Israel. So he still ran from Saul, and he feared for his life, and he says, there's but one step between me and death, and uh, so he didn't know if he was going to live or die. But didn't God promise that he would be the king of Israel? And if you're going to be the king of Israel, well, he can't die. And if he told uh, Peter, you're going to die when you're old, and they're going to carry you, (laughs) then he should have known, I'm not going to die. So the Lord can intervene. The Lord already can see down the road and see the end results. This is one of the things that's neat about the Lord. But we don't, we don't know what's going to happen to us and when it's going to happen. This is why it's so interesting. Also, I want you to take your Bible. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, we know that we should pray. Pray all the time. And there's things that God will allow to happen in your life that will, will not always be pleasant. See, God wants to teach us lessons by which we can teach others. And sometimes those experiences are expensive. They cost us quite a bit. They can hurt deeply. You can have great losses, great discouragement. If you only hurt a little, then you can only have a little to share. But if you hurt deeply, lose a loved one, lose your job, lose your finance, lose your health. When you really have lost something and you become to that point where you're in total despair, 
Remember, faith is born in despair. Those are the lessons that you can teach very well because of what you've gone through. So the Lord allows us to have things. So he says in verse 3 of chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So it means that God is able to comfort us regardless of what problems we may have. It's what he says. He's the father of all comfort. So he must know what we are going through and how we think and feel and how we hurt and all, everything. And God can bring us comfort if you'll let him. But you have to let God do what he does. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. Well, the Holy Spirit lives within you, and the Holy Spirit is to teach you and I, the Word of God that can bring us comfort. Remember when he says in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4 and verse 18, he says, we'll comfort one another with these words. So the Word of God is to bring us comfort. So when you get away from the Word of God and you don't recall what God says, then you revert back to the, the fear of man. And we become afraid of what's coming down the road. So we don't have great comfort. But God's still the father of all comfort. But there's another word he uses right before that. He says the father of mercies. It means that um, God does not allow us to fully experience all the bad things in life. The worst things that can really. Because God can deliver us. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Sometimes the things that we say and do and think, we deserve a lot worse than what we get. All because of the mercy of God, because of the long-suffering of God. What if God spanked us every time we did something wrong? We'd be behind the woodshed every, all the time. We'd never get to play in the front yard. My daddy, he, he didn't worry about where the woodshed was. He'd kill me wherever he saw me. <laughs> Man, I, I thought I was going to die. I think I died several times. But he does make this statement. He says, now listen, to, you need to understand the reasons. Look at verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulations. Wouldn't it be better if God just took away the tribulation? Took away the hard time, but he doesn't. You're either going into a problem, coming out of a problem, or you're in the midst of a problem. But you're going to never be without some problems. As long as we live in this world, we've got problems. Because we got people. But look what else he says. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So the reason God allows us to have the tribulation is so that we can learn some lessons so that we can give some comfort to people who need it. That's why some people have gone to a lot of things. God taught them a lot of things. Well, then you need to teach that and share that. There's a lot of people who are hurting in this world, and they don't know how to deal with some of these things. People have got problems, and they're always looking for somebody who is a problem solver. And I told the man the other day, I says, you know, if it wasn't for problems, nobody would have a job. Think about it. If there were no problems, nobody would have a job, because everybody's job is solving somebody else's problems. True. So that's why we, we pay somebody, because they can solve a problem. But sometimes we can't solve all of our problems, so we pay somebody else to solve our problem. So God says here, and I want you to see this. In verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. You say, well, if you're going to serve the Lord, you're not going to have these problems. 
Serving the Lord or dedicating your life to the Lord does not eliminate the problems, the troubles. God simply wants to give you the grace that you need to bear the problem. Sometimes we want to try to find a way to get over it or under it or around it. And God says, no, I want you to go right through the middle of it. And have you ever been in a problem and you wonder just where is the daylight? It seems like it's just a long cloud that we go through and it's, it's so disappointing. And you think there's a light at the end of the tunnel and lo and behold, it was a gorilla with a flashlight. You know, you just can't win sometimes. But God will give you the strength and the grace. Just keep looking to the Lord. And look what he says in verse 8, the middle part. He says that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Have you been that low yet? To despair even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raised the dead. So as you and I go through life, you can despair life and live sometimes thinking that, uh, you know, I could die at any moment and we can. But I committed that to the Lord, too. See, you can only worry about what you have not committed to the Lord. So if you commit your life to the Lord, then you don't have to worry about your life. God will take care of that. You just go ahead and do moment by moment. Walk with the Lord. And he'll walk you through whatever comes your way. And some of us, there may be no escape except death. And some of us are going to get cancer and we're going to go to the hospital or we're going to get killed in a car wreck and somebody else will live and somebody else will die. Don't worry about it. You didn't determine when you came into this world and you probably will not have the, you know, deciding vote on when you leave this world. Uh, God is still sovereign and he makes no mistakes. And so we're supposed to believe him. Now look in verse 10 so that you get the past, the present and the future where he says, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and we trust he will yet deliver. So you're always looking to be delivered from something. Lord, solve this problem. Help me to solve this problem. That's why we're always praying to God for certain people. We pray all the time for our kids. We pray for our grandkids. We pray, men, baby, we're always praying for our, about our health. We just want to stay healthy enough so we can keep doing what we're doing. And I guess if we ever got to where we don't really want to serve the Lord, I probably our health will go soon. <laughs> and so we don't want to find out. Serve the Lord as long as you can, because we don't know how much time we're going to have. And the Lord can allow us to live, and God could allow us to die. And so it can happen quickly. It can take a long, slow time. But whatever it is, God says, my grace is sufficient. Look at verse 11. Ye also get to helping together by prayer for us. In other words, telling the people there at Corinth, helping together by prayer for us. See, we don't know exactly and understand how prayer works, only that it does. And that God is moved by our request. He says, make your request known unto God. So is it possible to change circumstances, situations, People by prayer. And so our prayer to God has got to be of value. Otherwise, why pray at all? Or if everything's going to be whatever's going to be, regardless of whether we pray or we don't pray, you know, what's it going to change? But God's word says it does make the difference. 
So your faith in God is going to be revealed by, do you pray? Whatever it is we go through in life, are you taking it to the Lord? Do you trust the Lord? Do you talk to him all the time? I think it's an important thing. So he makes a statement here. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. In other words, there's people that were praying for Paul and where he was and what was going through. And, and he says, we were been out of measure. And nigh unto death, God saw us through and delivered us. And he's thanking them because of their prayers. Because you believe that there's somebody praying for us. I love it when I hear that different people, that will email me or call me on the phone and say, I just thought I'd be praying. No, you know, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. And uh, it makes you feel strong enough that you could charge hell with a squirt gun. You know, it just gives you confidence and boldness because uh, it's so strong in the Lord. I remember one time, I was out in Colorado, and I had wonderful experiences in Colorado. I've seen how God's going to do things. Because I didn't always have the answers, you know. And I'm uh, wondering about certain things. And so me and uh, Betty would have sometimes we'd go hunting. And sometimes I'd leave her home. You know, this is hunting season right now going on. And uh, you know where I'd like to be? I'd love to be hunting right now in Colorado, in the mountains of Colorado. I went elk hunting 18 straight years. And I'd be gone for about two weeks up in those mountains. We didn't have cell phones and all that. And uh, CVs didn't work there. But I would get sometimes by myself and I'd drive my Jeep way up in the top of those mountains. I'm talking about, I'd go where, I think I heard it on Star Trek one time, I'd go where no man has ever gone before. And I enjoyed it. And I love it when the snow falls and you can, you know, you can track a deer or an elk. And there's nobody there. And I would start singing. I'd sing to the top of my lungs. You could hear me miles away. <laughs> I took my sons with me one time and said, Daddy, if you don't stop singing, we're never going to get anything. So they, I don't know if it was because they didn't like my singing or they were afraid my singing and would scare the elk away. But anyway, you're up there and you're having a good time. But I went by a place in Buena Vista one time and I saw this old church and it was for sale. I thought, man, it'd be nice to have a church here. So I uh, checked it out, and next thing I know, I found out that the, the bank wanted uh, about $70,000 for it. And it was, you know, just an empty, had a basement to it, but it was just uh, not very big at all. But it was a piece of property and had a, a little parsonage on it in the back. So I uh, found out how much they wanted for it. And so I told them, I says, I uh, got to have how much down? They said, well, $10,000 down. I says, okay, I'll be back here in a couple of days, and I'll have the money. I had no clue. I didn't have a dime. I didn't have any money at all. I was on my way to meet uh, Tom Holder over in a place called Grand Junction where we were going to hunt. And he's uh, over there. And I met him. And on the very first day we are going to go hunting, he says, uh, he says, pray for me. I says, what for? He says, he says, I just got some money from an investment that I've got, but I keep from paying taxes on it. I've got to invest it right away. Well, how much is it? He says, $10,000. I says, uh, I just found a church, and they said I had to have $10,000. He said, well, you got it. He says, uh, so when can you pay it back? I says, I, no time at all. <laughs> he 
So I went over there and had my $10,000 and gave it to them. Now, I only owe is $60,000, but I owe that other man $10,000. Now, you're not supposed to do stuff. Well, I know, but I did it anyway. Because I just believed this was of the Lord. So I was walking in LMA's, little restaurant down from our church. There in Arvada. And they, uh, I had a bowl of soup, and I'm trying to think, Lord, how can I get $70,000? I got no money. And I can't make a loan. And I don't owe this, I promised this man 10000 back. And I says, now, I got to have that money to give to him. I says, Lord, you realize your, your, your reputation is at stake. I said, because I tell everybody, I'm your child. And I, you told me to do this. And I said, I'd do it. Now, you got to come through. <laughs> and uh, I made the Lord sweat it out, you know. Yeah, really. But anyway, I got up and I'm, I'm because I've been thinking, but Lord, where am I going to get this money? And I couldn't think of anything else. So I started walking out of the, the restaurant and there's a table over there, about three or four men sitting there. And I uh, said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. He had his kids in our Christian school. And he says, uh, so how's things going? I said, oh, they're going pretty good. He says, uh, well, you need any money for anything? I said, no, I can't think of anything. And I started to walk out of that place. And it never dawned on me. That's what I've been asking. And, and he says, well, aren't you trying to get a church? Because I had let it known. I, I said, yeah. I said, yeah. He says, uh, come on to the office. And his office was about two doors down. So I walked into his office. And he said, how much do you need? I said, I need $60,000. He said, okay. So he opened up his safe he had in his office. I said, I also need 10000 to give to the other guy that I put down the down payment. He said, so you need 70000 Yeah. So he gave me $70,000 cash. I signed no paper. I didn't do anything. And he asked me. He gave me $70,000 in cash. And I paid that man back his money. And I gave the bank their money. And we had a little church up there. And university. my brother went up there and became the pastor of the church. <laughs> now, does that happen all the time? No. And I was one day with the kids in class, the college kids. And we were trying to get some things done. And, you know, most times uh, people just let the preacher do it. You know, preachers will handle it. Preacher will handle it. And so we had a note that came due. It was a $10,000 note. <laughs> and I didn't have any money. Church didn't have any money. So we were trying to build and we, we didn't have any money. But the bank, they don't care. They just want you to give them their money. You promised it. So I, uh, I told the college kids that day, I says, uh, I'm going to have to cut short our PE class that morning. That's personal evangelism, not physical ed. And so I um, cut it short a little bit because I had to get to my office and get a few things and go down to the bank and tell them we didn't got the money. I said, so y'all pray. I told the college, I said, y'all pray because I got to go to the bank and uh, got to figure out how we're going to settle on a loan. And I said, so I don't have any time to talk to anybody. So I started across the auditorium. And some of the kids followed me and they still want to talk. They got a question. And I turned around and I said, ho, 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 ho. I can't talk right now. I've got to get to my office, and I've got to get out of the bank. So a few of them respected that. And I walked in toward my office, and a couple of them followed me. But, Pastor, we want to know. And I said, look, I, and I, oh, I was starting to get a little upset. You know, you get a little bit burned, and you just want to turn around and slap a few jaws. But, you know, you're a Christian, and you're the leader, and you're the president of the college. So you don't do that. I says, I can't talk right now. So I went into the office, and this one girl she followed me right into the office. I turned around and looked at her. And then I got a little perturbed. <laughs> I said, look. And she said, how much do you need? I said, I got to have $10,000. I 
So she went over to the desk there and she took and pulled out a checkbook and she wrote out a check for $10,000. I said, what are you doing? She says, you need 10000 right? I said, well, yeah. I says, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to give you a check for 10000 I says, uh, I can't pay that back. You can't do that. She says, you don't have to pay it back. I just wanted to give it to you. I'm the president of the college and I didn't have 10 bucks. Here's a student in the college and she can write me out a check for $10,000. That's sort of something's wrong with this. So did I accept that 10000 Yes, I did. I don't care how God provided it. He gave me that 10000 I walked down there and I gave him the $10,000. Can God work in strange and mysterious ways, his wonders to perform? He plants his feet upon the clouds and rides upon the storm. You never know how God's going to work and do things. But does he always do it that way? No. He doesn't always keep alive all of his saints. When Dr. Curtis Hudson passed away, I said, Lord, man, you really, you messed up now. That man was clear on the gospel. He was the editor of the Sword of the Lord. We were friends. I spoke in the Sword Conference with him. Of all the people you needed here, you needed him. And then when Hank Lindstrom died, I told the Lord the same thing about Hank Lindstrom. Of all the people you could have talked, there's a lot of people in this world you could have talked, and nobody would have missed them. But we're not to question God's judgment, even though sometimes I question God's judgment. But I cannot the judge of all the earth, will not he do right? God does right all the time. He doesn't know how to do wrong. But God has a purpose that's higher than ours. And so sometimes we can ask the Lord to heal somebody unless he has a higher purpose. And to give finances or a job unless God has a higher purpose. Because see, sometimes God is getting a person to a certain place. He's working in their life because there's things he wants them to do. And so God can, it's just like the mother eagle in order to get those little eaglets out of the nest and learn to fly, she makes that nest very uncomfortable and puts nice straight sticks in there and breaks it all up so that they can't become. And then she gets them on their back and takes them up. And what does she do with them? She drops them. And they just flailing all the way and chirp, 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 all the way down there. And then when she gets down too low, she goes, puts them on her back, takes them back up, do it again. Until the baby eaglet learns how to fly. See, God is working in our life, and he works in a strange and mysterious way. And so God sometimes will do things to push you closer to him. Now, the things about problems and tribulations, everybody's got them. The difference is whether you let those things push you closer to the Lord or become a wedge and pry you further from the Lord. You see, a Wrong attitude, a bitter attitude, a hurtful attitude pushes you further away from the Lord. Or you can allow the things that happens to draw you closer to the Lord. Because in spite of everything, you're not supposed to be convinced, God loves me. And God will give me the strength and the grace I need to bear whatever it is. And I'm going to cast all my cares upon him because I know he cares for me. Don't that make sense? That makes sense. So the prayer meeting was a success. It's just they did not know he was standing at the door. God had already answered their prayer, and they're still praying. And maybe that's the way it is with us sometimes. We don't always learn the lessons we're supposed to learn. We'll stop right there. Look up here. This is so important. You've got to watch this now. This is the most important part of the whole sermon. I want you to listen. 
pay attention. This represents you and me. Everybody in the world, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. Red and yellow, black and white, all of us. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We've all done things wrong. Nobody is any better than anybody else. And to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God. And since everybody sins, everybody's condemned. That's why everybody dies. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. Because of this sin, we can't get in. So I want you to understand that your good deeds will not take away one sin. All of the good things you've ever done in your whole life has never paid for one sin. Not even one. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. He hates our sin. So how can I have my sins washed away where all that's left is me and I get to go to heaven? What can wash away my sins? What can wash away my sins? There's got to be something that will wash my sins away. The blood of Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sing the song, but listen to what it says. Jesus Christ came into this world because he loved us. He took all of our sins upon himself and shed his blood, paid for our sins, came back from the dead and said if we would believe that he did it for us, all our sins are washed away. We're forgiven of all of our sins. And now because, see, all my sins are forgiven, all paid, I get to go to heaven on what Christ did for me. I understood that 51 years ago in a little old living room when my father-in-law explained this to me. I didn't get all of it all together, but I knew this. I knew I was a sinner. And Christ paid for my sins. And if I trust him, I'll go to heaven whenever I die. And that was the best news I ever heard my whole cotton-picking life. You didn't know this, but I am a cotton picker. I used to, I used to pick cotton. I really, I really did pick cotton. So you can call me a cotton picker if you want. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've been religious, maybe you've been religious all your life, maybe you're sincere, maybe you've done a lot of good things for a lot of people, but if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, see, friend, you still don't get to go to heaven. You must trust the Lord. He's the only one that can get you to heaven. So I'm going to ask in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me. And I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior this morning. And I'd like for you to pray for me. So with head bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around, is there anyone at all? Say, preacher, I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just slip it up real quick. Put it right back down. If you've never done it, do it right now. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. If you trust Christ right now, did you know God saves you right now? Yes, God bless you. I appreciate that. Anyone else? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to pin you against the wall. You see, salvation is you receiving what Christ did. It's not you trying to promise to be better, to do good. No, we are sinners. Christ died for sinners. He died for you. He loves you. Would you trust him right now? If you've never done so, say, Lord, that made sense to me. I believe Christ did it for me, and I'm trusting him right now. 
Anyone else before we close? Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we do thank you so much for loving us, giving us eternal life, and making us your children. And Lord, the way you work in our lives to help us to learn and to grow, to learn to depend upon you. Because there's so many things in life we don't have answers for. We don't know the, the whys on everything. But then we don't need to know. We just need to know that you care, you love us, and that we're in your hands. So bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refuse to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me